And now, a native podcast with Matt and Zach. Alrighty, everybody. Welcome back to another Unnative podcast with Matt and Zach. I am your co-host, Zach, and with me as always is Matt Buddy, and I got to start it off as always. Matt Buddy, how are you doing today? I, I'm, I'm doing pretty well, man. Just, uh, just getting ready for the heat wave coming. Yeah? It's, it's coming. Yeah, it's 4th getting July. hot. 4th it's July, summer. 95 degrees on 4th of July. That's going to be a hot one for you. That's going to be a hot oh, one. That's, that's why I'm going to the river to go swim in that. Okay, so. <laughs> there you go. That's always, and that's always a nice treat early in the summer. You're getting that Willamette, right? That's the river yep. you're going to. Yeah, that's, that's the one. That's awesome. That's awesome. No, but we're not here to talk about Matt skinny dipping in the Willamette. <laughs> we're here to chat up with you as always. Native American topics, news, uh, issues, questions, concerns, comments, moans, groans, complaints, um, whatever it may be. Um, you know, last week we talked a little bit about Indian economics, uh, which is which was really exciting. Um, kind of learn a little bit about how tribes make money and uh, sustain for themselves uh, in this new modern era. Um, today we're going to get into gaming. But before before we get into gaming, uh, I would like to talk to Matt. Matt, you said you had an interesting, fun tidbit, fun fact for us that you'd like to share with uh, everybody. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've heard, man, but uh, it looks like this will be the last season of Reservation Dogs this fall. Wow. No, yeah. I, I just got the news from you before the podcast, <laughs> so it's kind of surprising right now to me. But it is. I mean... It's kind of crazy, but I, I mean, you see what Stephen Harjo put out with uh, um, uh, his statement saying like this was for natives by natives and needs to be ended properly for natives. Uh, I'm super excited to see what that may be. Um, it's good to have some media out there uh, portraying our native cultures correctly and properly and working yeah. with native talent, with native directors, with native individuals uh people who understand and respect the communities right right um, definitely exciting to see that do well and now it's like what i mean I guess we got res ball right maybe he's putting a little more focus on res ball um mm-hmm. i'm excited to see that that's that's very much anticipated um and then we need something else you know hulu netflix hollywood whoever it may be we need another uh native uh story out there we need some more you know especially in the pop pop culture market, the general market, I think res- reservation dogs did set a standard for the fact that like that native culture, that native humor sells, uh, people want to see it. They want to watch it. Um, and we fucking love it. So, so, so <laughs> I, man, I love how, like, I mean, we all recognize a lot of those actors in there, but we, they use local people in Oklahoma. They, you know, they have the, the native celebrities like play a role like uh what's that dog face came in that <laughs> episode and i love when they throw in a random person they're like oh that's that one guy and you right. know met them or know them in indian country small like that so well and uh frick i'm gonna butcher her name because i just off the cuff uh but the everyone knows her as the letter kenny lady <laughs> from letter kenny tannis oh, everyone yeah. calls her auntie tannis because she <laughs> is she's everybody's auntie let's be real um but no uh the deer lady in reservation dogs you know exactly you have these these the awesome native actresses to play that too <laughs> she is and she's a great actress. 
actress the eye thing going on <laughs> just a little bit <laughs> she's great no she's amazing at what she does so is yeah. you know like uh paula lena and brick i i i i need to write down their names because when you're on oh, the like this, you dude, my my favorite that. because i identify a lot with him is the cop is oh, yeah. uh, is uh, uh um god what's his name he's lakota also um Zon McLaren. Oh yeah. No, he's a yeah. good one. Well, I love the like whole like Bigfoot thing and the conspiracies and the weird like right like, true. Like well, and that's I mean, it's funny. I mean, we don't want to get too off the cuff here today, yeah. but it is funny when you bring up like Bigfoot and stuff and that because they're that those kind of lore, those kind of stories, the hairy cousins of the forest. Those exist in our traditional stories, our traditional histories. You know, it's not crazy for us to interact with animals or the spirit world or these other creatures, you know. So it's kind of cool that that they incorporated all that. You know, they incorporated the the shittiness of the res, uh, the death of the res that you see, you know, early on with them losing their friend. Um, it's 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 was great. It was great. And it deserves its time. And I'm sure one day down the road we can have a dedicated episode to reservation dogs. Um, but not today, not today, Matthew, we are diving into Indian gaming casinos. You know, you always get, get that, that stereotypical question of people acting about casinos, natives making money off casinos, doing this and that. But in reality, these were ways we established, um, our, our first tribal economies as ways to help be independent nations to sustain for ourselves and to create resources for our people. Um, and, and knowing that, you know, essentially, I mean, frick it, we get in America, especially we like to gamble oh, the oh, betting, yeah. the sports betting industry. One can tell you that, yes, but funny. why not take advantage of that as, as Indian people to, to know oh. that the, that the overall American, communities would, right. would be into this and help support our economies in ways that we could in the modern world right and it makes a lot of sense why native communities got into gambling because gambling was a thing traditionally it looked way different but right. the stick games the stick game tournaments are huge it makes sense why tribes got into the modern uh casino gambling and gaming is uh you know this this the traditional forms of that the stick games the you know betting on horse races during summer fairs and like gatherings and it it, it does kind of it is a tr traditional thing that they did do you know right no exactly um and 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 it wasn't for hey i need more money than you i need to be richer than you it it was the fun of it it was the 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 trickery the you know especially with the stick games i think of like Oh yeah, you're hiding like well, you're yeah. hiding these sticks and you're passing them back and forth with with people of all ages. You know, like it's grandma's playing it with with auntie and uncle and the kids, and they're clapping and they're screaming and they're chanting and they're singing and they're all these different like things going on on both sides of the room as they're doing this and they're betting and they're playing the game and it's intense and I I, I just think like the fun right the fun we have and like that's really where betting comes into play is that it's the fun of it of like hey 
let's make this interesting. Let's put something on it, right? And to see that grow and to see that help our tribal economies and then to see kind of, I think, I, I shouldn't, I, I don't want to call it the racisms against it, but just like the ignorances of people with, with tribal casinos and tribal gaming where they say, oh, well, all natives have casinos, all this and that, you know, it's, it, and I, I think here, you know, it's, it's good to lay, lay the law straight a little bit um, right. and get into it and kind of understand it uh, for our knowledge, as well as your knowledge uh, today. Um, I'm going to go back and last week, if you listened in the last week's episode, uh, we talk about this as well. I, I read from this same one. This, this comes from the National Indian Gaming Commission. Tribal gaming, as we think of it today, dates back to the 1970s when a number of Indian tribes established bingo operations as a means of raising revenue to fund tribal government operations. At about the same time, a number of state governments were also exploring the potential for increasing state revenues through state-sponsored gaming. And by the mid-1980s, a number of states had authorized charitable gaming and, and some states were sponsoring state-operated lotteries. Although government-sponsored gaming was an issue of mutual interest, tribal and state governments soon found themselves at odds over tribal gaming. The debate centered on the issue of whether tribal governments possessed the authority to conduct gaming independently of state regulation. Although many lower courts affirmed the tribal view in early cases, the matter was not finally resolved until 1987, when the U.S. Supreme Court confirmed the inherent authority of the tribal governments to establish and regulate gaming operations independent of state regulation, provided that the state in question permits some form of gaming. Uh, California v. Cabazon Band of Mission Indians in 1987. Uh, Congress took up the issue of tribal gaming and conducted a series of hearings and ultimately culminating in the passage of the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act of 1988. Embodied in the act was a compromise between state and tribal interests. The states were offered a voice in determining the scope and extent of tribal gaming by requiring tribal state compacts for class three gaming, but tribal regulatory authority over class two gaming was preserved in full. The act further provided for general regulatory oversight at the federal level and created the National Indian Gaming Commission as the primary responsible federal agency. Enacted, in 1988, as Public Law 10497 and confided at 25 USC 2701, the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act establishes the jurisdictional framework that presently governs Indian gaming. The act establishes three classes of gaming with a different regulatory scheme for each. Class 1 gaming is defined as the traditional Indian gaming and social gaming for minimum prizes, regulatory authority over class one gaming is vested in tribal governments. Class two gaming is defined as the gaming of chance, commonly known as bingo, which may include the use of electronic computer or other technological aids. And if played in the same location as the bingo, pull tabs, punch boards, tip jars, instant bingo, and other games similar to bingo, class two gaming also includes the non-banked card games. That is games that are played exclusively against other players, rather than the house or a player acting as a bank. The act specifically excludes slot machines or electronic facet smiles of any game of chance from the definition of class two games. The tribes possess the authority to conduct, license, and regulate class two gaming so long as the state in which the tribe is located permits such gaming for any purpose and the tribal government adopts a gaming ordinance approved by the commission tribal government's 
are the primary regulatory for class two gaming. The class, the definition of class three gaming is extremely broad. It includes all forms of gaming that are neither class one nor class two. Games commonly played in casinos, such as slot machines, blackjack, craps, and roulette, would clearly fall in the class three category, as well as any electronic fastest smiles of any game of chance. Before any tribe may lawfully conduct class three gaming, the following conditions must be met. First, the particular form of class three gaming the tribe wants to conduct must be permitted in the state which the tribe is located. Second, the tribe and the state must have negotiated a compact that has been approved by the Secretary of Interior, or the Secretary must have approved regulatory procedures, and the third, the tribe must have adopted tribal gaming ordinance that has been approved by the chair of the NIGC. The regulatory scheme for Class 3 gaming is more complex than casual reading, as the statement may suggest. Only tribal gaming is regulated to such extent. Non-tribal gaming is only regulated by state authorities so and that's the definition essentially of kind of the different types of gaming that tribal casinos can offer and and it makes sense because you take like a state like montana here right right that uh i don't believe we have any class three casinos in our state i don't think that is allowed um i'm not 100 percent sure on that but uh it is partly due to why you see only like the, I believe it's only the class two gaming, class one gaming, mm-hmm. like the Kino machines all over. Uh, right. There's also a law in the state of Montana. If you want to sell the liquor license or have a liquor license, you have to have at least six casino machines oh. uh, in operation. Yeah. So that, that kind of directly affects our tribes here in this state. So that's why you don't see big casinos on um, like on the Montana reservations or, you know, like why, why wouldn't Crow, put a big class three gaming thing, 45 minutes from Billings, right? You know, how many people would go to that? Like there's there, that's where like the state comes into play. Right. Right. Well, uh, it, reminds, it reminds me a little bit, even though there's differences between the two States, but it reminds mm-hmm. me a little bit of Nevada as well, because they have these casinos in every little town, but they're not tribal. And those kind of negatively impact the tribes because right. they're, in these all all these little towns so why would someone drive to you know wherever a tribe to go to their casino right well and and you're absolutely right when you look at like a, a, that but that also why you can i think why you are able to see california tribes open up casinos on the las vegas strip i think that's why you're able to see uh class three gaming happen in that state i think that's kind of the same in the sense with arizona why you see the large resorts uh san, you know like the sandia casino and the large resorts uh the alene up in vancouver up by you um and the different you know the different gaming kind of rules and regulatory things set up um i know people kind of question because i brought up the indian gaming commission uh gaming associate or uh started out as the iga the indian gaming association in 1985 uh, it is an intertribal association of federally recognized Indian tribes united with the mission of protecting and preserving tribal sovereignty and the ability of tribes to obtain economic self-sufficiency through gaming and other forms of economic development. The common commitment and purpose of IGA is to advance the lives of Indian peoples economically, socially, and politically. IGA operates as the educational, legislative, and public policy resource for the tribal policymakers as well as the public on issues related to Indian gaming and tribal community development. Located on Capitol Hill, IGA is, is lead, 
is a lead voice for Indian country, working diligently to ensure that the people of special status of tribes is recognized and protected when issues affecting tribal sovereignty arise. IGA advocates on behalf of Indian tribes with Congress, the White House, and federal agencies. In order to accomplish its mission, IGA often works with Congress and the administration on all Indian issues under the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act and the Commerce Clause. So just kind of a little more history on these organizations, the Indian Gaming Association, uh, and, and everyone who kind of helps all tribes in this, because it is a lot larger of a topic, because in the 70s, when the Seminole tribe first kind of got the ball rolling um, with this whole, let's start a we're a nation within a nation. Here's how we can kind of conduct our businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and to kind of to see where, where all that is and where it's at now. Um, another thing I, I like that the Indian gaming uh, association puts out online. If you go to their website, indiangaming.org, uh, they have helpful links. Um, the Arizona Institute, Pol- American Indian research, Research Poly and Policy Institute uh, with Arizona State University. Uh, that's a tongue twister for sure. Um, definitely is a good resource. Uh, the California Nations Indian Gaming Association, CNIGA, founded in 1988, is a nonprofit organization comprised of federally recognized tribal governments. CNIGA is dedicated to the purpose of protecting Indian gaming on federally recognized Indian lands. It acts as planning and coordinating agency for legislative policy, legal, and communication efforts on behalf of its members and serves as an industry forum for information and resources. Uh, The Center for World Indigenous Studies, CWIS, is an independent nonprofit research and educational organization dedicated to wider understanding the appreciation of ideas and knowledge of Indigenous peoples and the social, economical, political realities of Indigenous nations. Uh, The Department of Interior is also listed. The Department of Justice Uh, The Harvard Project on American Indian Economic Development uh, is directed at understanding the conditions of under which sustained self-determined socioeconomic development is achieved on American Indian reservations. The Harvard Project's central activities include research and the application of research results in service to Indian country. Uh, Indian Country Today Online um, is a good resource. Uh, They have stories all the time. The Institute of Social and Economical Research at the University of Alaska Anchorage, ISER, is devoted to studying economic and social conditions in Alaska. The Alaska legislator established the Institute of Social Economic Research in 1961. ISER has analyzed major public policy issues in Alaska for the past 35 years and has conducted numerous large surveys of individuals, industries, and regions. Uh, NCAI, founded back in 1944, is the oldest and largest national Indian organization serving the needs of broad membership of American Indian and Alaska Native governments. Uh, The National Indian Gaming Commission, uh, the mission of NIGC is to ensure Indian crime and other cooperating influences to ensure that the tribe is the primary beneficiary of the gaming operation and to assure that gaming is conducted fairly and honest by both operator and player. Uh, NARF, the Native American Rights Fund, and the National Indian Law Library. Uh, It's the only law library specializing in legal practice materials, which are essential for practitioners of Indian law. Thousands of legal pleadings and opinions from virtually every major Indian law case since the 1950s exist within the NILL collection. Uh, Native Tech, uh, Native American Technology and Art. This website has a wide array of information on Native American art. 
uh, Native Web, um, the Udall Center for Studies and Public Policy, uh, which is with the University of Arizona. Um, and that's just a few of from the Indian Gaming Association of uh, some helpful links there that they provide. Did you know there's a new native apparel company? No, I did not. It's called Shop LS574, named after the 574 federal tribes and the Little Shell descendancy of its founders. Wow, that's really cool, man. It is. It is becoming a spot to order native apparel by and for natives, working with native designers and teams to help best represent Indian country. That's awesome, dude. For sure. Now make sure to go pick up some uh, native podcast swag as well as other native gear while shopping at shopls574.com. Oh yeah, and do not forget to use code ANP10 to save on your next order. That's ANP10. Hey Matt, did you know there's a tribally owned net company? No, I did not. Not only are they tribally owned, but Blue Ribbon Nets also creates totally sustainable products. With Blue Ribbon Nets, not only are you getting quality nets, but even eco-friendly ones as well. That's awesome, dude. It sure is indeed. Make sure to use code RUGARU10 on your next Blue Ribbon Net order to save. Again, the code is RUGARU10, R-U-G-A-R-U-1-0. I am definitely getting a Blue Ribbon Net now. Tune in every Tuesday to hear your favorite native podcast. That's right. A Native Podcast has new episodes every week ranging from boarding schools to Indian child welfare. Not only that, but we have Indian country covered from Maine to California and Florida to Alaska, Hopi to Blackfeet and Choctaw to Clinkett, and all those Crees in between. And all you other natives and non-natives out there, we want to remind you to tune in this Tuesday to A Native Podcast. Is your res runner in need of new lights? Well, look no further than our friends at Oxteo an industry leader in LED lights. Make sure to use code RUGARU on your next set of lights. That's R-U-G-A-R-U. Kind of to get into a little history here um, with two kind of, we talked about the 1970s and the Seminoles, right? And kind of how it began. So the first Indian, and this comes from Britannica uh, is the resource. Uh, the first Indian casino was built in Florida by the Seminole tribe, which opened uh, a successful high-stakes bingo parlor in 1979. Other indigenous nations quickly followed suit, and by 2000, more than 150 tribes in 24 states had opened casino or bingo operations on the reservation. The first years of the 21st century saw per- precipitous growth. By 2005, annual revenues had reached more than $22 billion, and the Indian gaming accounted for about 25% of all legal gambling receipts in the U.S. This was about the same amount generated by the country's state lotteries, somewhat less than about 40% share generated by commercial casinos in Nevada, Florida, and New Jersey. Notably, and unlike gambling operations run by non-Indians, tribal casinos are required by law to contribute a percentage of their annual revenue to state-controlled trust funds. These funds are then distributed to local communities to offset costs related by the subsidiary effects of the tribal gaming operations, such as the expansion or maintenance of transportation, electrical or sewage systems, and other forms of infrastructure. The need for increased traffic patrols and treatment for gambling addiction. Some of these funds are also uh, distributed as an assistance to tribes that do not have gaming operations. The prosperity of Indian gaming operations depend on an ex- on a great extent on the location. Those near 
near or in major urban areas can be very successful, while those in remote areas where most reservations are located tend to generate much less revenue. Although wow. tribes with, with successful <laughs> operations have been able to use gaming income to improve general health, education, cultural well-being of their members, many Indian casinos have not made significant profits. Thus, the success of some operations on some reservations cannot be generalized to all casinos or elevations. To the contrary, U.S. Census data consistently indicates that the legalization of Indian gaming has not affected the indigenous population in Agarit. Uh, Native Americans remain the most impoverished and underprivileged minority community in the United States. Indian gaming has been at the center of political controversy since the late 1970s, and in many cases, the debate has revolved around the mortality or immor- the morality or immorality of gambling. This issue, of course, is not unique to Indian gaming in particular. Controversies involving Indian gaming operations per se have generally focused on instead whether the the unique legal status of tribes, which allows them for the privilege of owning and operating such businesses, should be retained or discontinued, whether Indians have sufficient acumen or training to run such businesses, whether engaged in entrepreneurial capitalism inherently undercuts indigenous ethnic identities, and whether gaming is dies a desirable addition to a specific local economy. And that kind of goes right into tribal sovereignty and the sense of how we have these inherent rights to operate these type of businesses and business structures, right? It's, it's interesting because all this uh, reminds me of like just how a lot of non-natives assume that tribes are doing well. Oh, you got casinos. So you're, you must get money. And like, you know, which is again, the case for some of the smaller tribes near urban areas, but even how casinos spend money and what it gets spent towards and where it goes. And ultimately like how much do they really make, especially if they're giving a percentage away to the state, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, how much is it, is it going to community members or is it going to tribal services too? Because like some exactly. don't do a per cap, some tribes no. don't do so. And that's exactly and that's the thing. And that's where the oh, you get money from your tribe, right? It's the per cap you're talking about. There is the fact of like, yeah, you have a check that comes from your tribe because you're a member of that tribe because that tribe is doing so well. Well, in the percentage of tribes doing so well, and it's just like anything anything in the world right there's the one percent the two percent the ten percent this percent right like there's the wealthy and then there's the poor no matter who you are in indian country right there's a spectrum um you know there's light-skinned natives and there's dark-skinned natives you know there's a spectrum um and i think that's the coolest part is we're unique and we come together on these topics and these things because we we had a government essentially try and take that culture away and succeed in some ways you know you look down in mexico and the how the fact that like there's no reservations down there they didn't let the tribal people really practice their cultures and it's scary to think that like that only happened 200 years ago uh with 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 these controlling entities of north america um it's glad that we're still here and we're able to unite and have some of our lands across turtle island still and be able to stand up for them and to have these operations on those lands um which i'm i you know i like it <laughs> yeah yeah and i think i think like we're we're talking about like tribes and and money and it, we we kind of know 
as native people native people know that oh shakopee's doing well and stan <laughs> manual just some you know buckle shoot huh <laughs> yeah like they're we know they're kind of doing well and we know that san carlos but, but, and pine ridge might not be doing so well you know right but we <laughs> got to understand and know as native people as indian people as indian country to support that to see that the muckle shoot and the success of them are they're able to sponsor a national nhl hockey organization right with some of that money probably from emerald emerald downs casino i believe is theirs there right there in seattle i believe right um i really think a crucial area for the tribes you know the ones that aren't doing well just the casino is going into those other economic well and you and you said with pine ridge example like tonka bar right yeah exactly exactly which makes sense but that was last week this week we're talking gaming and i found on wikipedia i know right gross but everything (laughs) it's a good start you know it's one of those resources when you're jumping from page to page on the internet you're finding all these sources you're talking about these topics you're trying to understand them and do the research and that's essentially what we're doing you know me and Matt in our free time, we like to take the time and do the research on these topics and share that research with you guys, because this is a topic we care about. You know, we're doing this for free. This is me and Matt sitting down on our computers at the end of the workday and saying, these are topics we want to talk about. Um, so I'm essentially looking at this as sharing our, our research and our, our information with you. And part of that research is these sources. And this source is Wikipedia. And I know people have their mixed things, but it's a good start. It's a good start. Um, Pacific Northwest, and because you're looking at 500 articles, right? This is the first one. <laughs> uh, Pacific Northwest gambling. Indian gaming became the focus for many tribes in efforts to retrieve their sovereignty and economic independence. Native American tribes went through vast political, economical, and social change after the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act of 1988. Non-Native Americans instituted their politics and forced Native Americans onto small reservations. Casino and bingo halls had provided funding for housing, medical, and social services, education, and other resources for the Native American tribes. Funds derived from the gambling have advanced Native Americans. However, Native Americans have compromised for their wants because of the set provisions forced by the Native Americans by the federal government. The first provision enforced was by the state has to approve the form of gambling that is or gaming that is conducted. The second provision was the state and reservations had to agree on where to build each casino. The third provision required the tribe to develop gaming ordinances to be approved by the chairman of the National Indian Gaming Commission. The Poyallup Tribes Casino advanced advanced tribal agencies majorly. The Emerald Queen Casino. Oh, that's Emerald Queen is uh Poyallup. Uh oh. the Emerald Queen Casino's earnings enabled the tribe to preserve their culture. That's essentially the Pacific Northwest. Uh, And then they have kind of these different organizations. California, the largest casino in the state of California is the Pechanga Band Casino in Temecula. But they talk about Oklahoma gaming, Connecticut gaming, Idaho gaming, Indiana gaming, Minnesota gaming, Florida gaming, right? That is interesting, though, with how the states will vary slightly in their policies and how they take you know carry out the gambling there so right and that's why i say wikipedia is a good jumping point it's a good starting point because you run into issues like this with them they kind of wanted to talk about it but they didn't um they wanted to bring up some, some specific examples but i have a better here with uh 
playusa.com. Uh, they have a article that was written by Martin Harris, tribal casinos in the U.S., right? Alabama has one gaming tribe with three tribal casinos. Alaska has two with two. Arizona has 16 with 26. Uh, they California has 68 with 77 casinos. Colorado has two with two. Connecticut has two with two. Florida has two with seven. Idaho has four with 10. Indiana has one with one. Iowa, three with four. Kansas, five with six. Louisiana, four with five. Michigan, 12 with 24. Minnesota, 11 with 40. Mississippi, one with three. Montana, six with 13. Nebraska, four with five. Nevada, two with four. New Mexico, 14 with 27. New York, four with 16. North Carolina, one with three. North Dakota, five with 12. Oklahoma, 32 with 140. Uh, Oregon, eight with 10. South Dakota, eight with 13. Texas, two with two. Washington, 24 with 36. Wisconsin, 11 through 27. Wyoming, uh, with two tribes with four casinos. Um, it's interesting. You look at that. California has the most with 68. Oklahoma has, uh, the most casinos with 140 with that 68 tri gaming tribes in California, which makes sense. There's a lot of tribes in California. Um, and that's kind of where I was trying to go, I guess, with the Wikipedia article is the fact that like kind of where you were diving into is the fact that these states each have these different arrangements and agreements of what is allowed, what isn't allowed uh, within the state without, you know, outside of the state. Um, that's and that's I think why you also see non-tribal casinos in places like California as well. Well, we saw some there in San Jose and we're and I remember we're driving and Zach was like, Hey, look those up that what see if a tribe manages. And they there was no tribal management under those. Right. So, so it would make sense why you'd have if the if if the state or whoever they approve, the state approves to run those, that they would allow uh like and you look at some of those California tribes, they do have some of the bigger, the class three games, um, which is really cool and unique uh, that, that you see. And they have some of the most bougie resorts out there, oh, uh, which yeah. is awesome. I mean, and you got to pat Indian country on the back for that. Um, and that's, and that's really where I was going. Cause you look at like even the East coast and like the Con Connecticut, the strongholds they have there uh, and the, the, the great lakes area and the, you know, Florida, really the Seminole tribe and the Hard Rock Casino and what that did for Indian country, right? And that's kind of where, where again, where I was trying to go with that, uh, with the regions. Um, looking at this, and this comes from 2016 on, so it's a little six years outdated, but this was California 8.4, that's the gross gaming revenue, Oklahoma 8.4 billion. Oklahoma 4.36 billion, Florida 2.5, Washington 2.5, Arizona 1.9, Connecticut 1.6, Minnesota 1.5, Michigan 1.4, Wisconsin 1.3, New York had 925 million dollars, New Mexico 861, Colorado 833 million. And now time for music on a native podcast. Here we feature indigenous artists and performers. This week Red Shadow Singers, Eagle Song.
I, I, I wanted to bring up one of the interesting topics that I, I, when I was doing this research, what I came across, right? And this, this one sticks out to me because I like sports and I know a lot, a lot of you guys probably like sports too. I know Matt likes sports. <laughs> um, so with the rapid growth of sports betting in the United States, starting in the mid 2018, and it has been well-documented by the appearance of many new retail sport books in the commercial casinos across the country. Tribal casinos have been less quick to embrace sports betting, however, in part because due to the complicated nature of tribal state gaming compacts. Outside of Nevada, the Golden Moon Hotel and Casino and Pearl River Resort in Choctaw, Mississippi, were the first tribal casinos to open up a sports book in August 2018. However, only a few other tribal casinos have followed suit. One reason they not they have not is because only a few states that have tribal casinos also have legalized U.S. sports betting. In New Mexico, the Santa Ana Casino launched a sports book in 2018, even though sports betting had not been legalized in the state. The Pueblo of Santa Ana tribe cites class, cited its Class 3 gaming compact with the state as allowing them to offer sports betting. A few other New Mexico tribes subsequently launched retail sports books in their casinos as well. Meanwhile, Washington State passed a new sports betting law in March 2020 that allowed the state's tribes to open up sports books. However, opponents to the new law have proposed legal challenges, which coupled with the need for regulations and updated compacts will likely delay the launch of tribal-run sportsbooks there. In July 2021, Congressman Lou Carrera of California and John Kataco of New York put forth House Bill 4308, proposing that online casino play or mobile bets placed via services on tribal land begin to be federally regulated as tribal gaming. The bill would remove federal barriers regarding the offering of mobile wagers on Indian lands when the applicable state and Indian tribe would have reached an agreement. This comes as U.S. online game gambling is spreading like wildfire while the old school regulations lag behind. A bill like this would certainly help tribal casinos become more digitally, more, more digitally, more digital more easily. I don't like how that's worded. By bypassing exhaustive state-to-state -state, uh, legalities and instead of having a broad federal rule. So I don't know. I, I thought that was interesting to see because you saw, I, I, I've seen, you know, you like uh, Playbook and all those other sports betting apps come out and you don't really see native sports betting because like you could take like, I'm, I, you know, I look at that like you could take like those South Dakota tribes and even like these Montana tribes, North Dakota tribes who kind of lag behind in the casinos because of how the state set up operations. Oh, this would greatly like, better. Yeah, if you were to set up online sports betting, especially because people already lag behind and if you can compete, I mean, it takes a lot. I mean, well, and I'm not surprised like that. I'm, I'm glad you re you read that stuff because I remember a year or two ago, there was talk of all that with tribes and now, and now, you know, the, obviously the, opponents come in and they're like yes to be regulated i mean you know that the tribes do get pushback too so right um i also also hear kind of one of the cool fun fact you know they were kind of in the fun fact phase of uh <laughs> tribal casinos is the largest native casino if you'd like to go see it is the windstar casino and resort in chickasaw nation oklahoma oh wow um the mohegan sun casino is number two in connecticut the foxwoods resort casino 
is also in Connecticut, is number three. Number four is the Thunder Valley Casino and Resort in California. And number five is the Seminole Hard Rock Casino, uh, Seminole Nation. So it's kind of kind of cool uh, to have that. Um, more fun facts. Um, in 2018, Indian Casino revenue neared $333.7 billion. Indian gaming operates in 29 states. Uh, only 25 of those states allow Vegas-style Class 3 Indian casinos. Uh, and four allow the Class 2 casinos, which basically are just bingo slots. Um, 38% of all U.S. gambling revenues come from two states, California and Oklahoma. Uh, so if you want to take note, definitely look at the California and Oklahoma gaming uh, resources that are out there. Um, Indian gaming provides 600,000 plus jobs, uh, both direct and indirect jobs to Indian country. And it also pays $9 billion in taxes and revenue sharing payments to federal, state, and local governments. Say we don't have an impact. Um, this, some states that don't con contain Indian casinos, Utah, Hawaii, Georgia, South Carolina, Tennessee, Kentucky, Missouri, Illinois, Ohio, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Vermont, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, New Jersey, Delaware, and Maryland. Oh, I was going to say, I think the Missouri one might not be true because I, I was reading, maybe there wasn't one there before, but the Quapaw tribe, they're right in the corner of Oklahoma. They manage one on the Missouri side. Now, oh, maybe yeah, it's I just read about this yesterday. So okay, maybe it's yeah. listed as Oklahoma, maybe or maybe <laughs> this like article on the border or one of those, you know, kind of weird ones. Um, maybe this this uh this article is a little outdated. It's 2021 is when this is listed. Um, when you look at the 2022 US Today best outside casino of Las Vegas list, um, there are six native casinos that that uh hit the mark and that's the foxwoods resort casino the yavama resort and casino at san manuel the pachanga resort and casino the mohegan sun um seminole hard rock and casino del sol in tucson um and yeah so that's kind of the top Top casinos. I'm trying to see if there's any. There are some with Vegas, but that Mohegan Sun and that Foxwoods, the Pachanga, those ones seem to be top top five casinos in the U.S. When you look at the the a lot of the other rankings. But I was going to say uh, too. You know, with some of these casino resorts, when they expand them, they add new things. They're they're starting to get pretty creative. I know. You know, now tribes are managing. Uh, they're adding water parks. They're they're adding golf. You know the golf courses. They're they're event centers, as you said. Uh, you know we just drove by the Great Wolf Lodge, which we found out it's managed by the Chehalis Tribe, which is a water park, and they're having some native conferences up there, like next month actually. And so it it's cool. Like there's room for expansion and new ideas. You know. No, exactly. I mean, in when you look at at it in that sense some of these casinos are some of the largest and some of the more extravagant casinos in the world right um 
and and it really it and it's a it's it's awesome to have that i mean it's awesome in a way to be like hey native americans yeah like we're doing that quite a few in different areas too yeah not enough we need to keep going to more (laughs) um and then and then i i know one topic when it comes to casinos because we all saw the palms casino resort is the first casino in las vegas to be owned by a native american tribe it was opened in 2001 after changing hands a couple of times, Station Casinos purchased Palms Casino Resort in 2016 for $312 million on the penny. No, <laughs> the company then paid $620 million in renovation. Oh, yeah. So double what they paid for it. Uh, like other casino resorts in Las Vegas, Palms closed at the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic in 2020. This, amongst other reasons, led the casino led station casinos to list palms for sale in may of 2021 it was announced that the resort would be sold to the san manuel band of mission indians for 650 million dollars this sale marked palms as the very first las vegas casino resort to be owned by a native american tribe and it reopened after a two-year closure on april 27 2022 speaking before the sale was finalized ceo of the san manuel band of mission indians lawrence volslow said it's the gaming mecca of the world and the place to be. It's a natural and good fit for us to have an asset there that we can send our customers to contribute to the economy and be a part of the Las Vegas community, um, which is great. And 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 I want to say what two other tribes have purchased casinos in Vegas since then, right? Yeah, I I want to say they were all in Southern California. The tribes. Uh, well, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it, you know, you got Pachanga, San Manuel, and there's another one, I believe, too. But, uh, you know, you mentioned COVID, and it's like, man, some of these tribes that were more reliant on just their casino for economics, like they took a hit. They right. Took a hit those, those years. And, you know, now they're trying to, you know, how do we expand? How do we like draw in more people to make up for that, you know? Well, right, because because these casinos they play a a larger role in in these communities as we as we say right, um, and to go back here, kind of the Muckleshoot have an example here of what what they do. Uh, they're based in Washington. They have used their income from their casino to build a medical and dental facility and construct oh, homes for the elderly. Uh, what's right. even more impressive is that the Native American tribes offer often give large proportion of their earnings to charity. The Muckleshoot gives away $3 million annually to local governments, schools, churches, and nonprofit organizations. So, they need to help us pay our rent and student loans. <laughs> yeah, no, right now. That's funny. They probably do. There's probably programs for, for certain tribal members. And that's like exactly like, that's part of it too. Part of the, the hypocrisies of the fact that it's like, it doesn't necessarily come from the government or come from the casino all the time. Like you got to go earn it. And some of those funds are put aside for like, right. yeah, student students going to school, uh, people needing different types of, you know, home loan programs and assisting assistance, uh, retirement issues, elderly services and care, right? Like, we, like that money has got to come from somewhere sometimes, you know, we don't necessarily think that all the time. And, and that's one thing is like this money that these casinos can earn, goes to good parts of the community you know they have good native people in charge of that and you have some some tribes doing really well and even going outside their native community and helping their regional and local communities as well which is awesome to see um definitely something um i like to to highlight and talk about 
I do also want to bring up that if you go to the BIA.gov, um, you can find a tab on the gaming compacts. Uh, there's 1,069 of them. So a lot of them, every single gaming uh, compact that has been written. So you can search by state, you can search by tribe, you could search by year. Uh, right here, example, I can look up the Aki Chin Indian Communities Tribal Gaming Compact uh, amended in 2009. So you can get a good resource, understand your tribe, understand your tribal region, your tribal area, uh, your state, your state's laws um, in the gaming compacts that that have been filed. Um, definitely worth worth taking a look at if you're interested into that. Um, but as we know, all these all these podcasts got to come to an end. Um, sadly, this one was uh, kind of a shorter one of our podcasts, but that's all right. Uh, we kind of talked a little bit about Indian gaming in our tribal economies episode last week. So definitely check that out if you haven't already. Um, as we talk casino today, I know it's kind of boring. It's kind of one of those subjects, but it's kind of one that we need to understand as well uh, as, as we go forward on this journey and understand what our native communities have been through here in the United States. So with that being said, Matt, what do you got? Anything, anything here at the end? Yeah, I I think uh, you know I I'm encouraging folks to get out there, explore. You know, try to if you're traveling, you know, try to support the casinos and their hotel. Uh, try to you know even if it's just you're stopping in for dinner, like hey, you know, we live we live somewhere and there's there's a tribal casino they've never been to. You know, go check it out. Uh, oftentimes they have really good restaurants and, right. and eat you know, sports bars, even if you're trying to watch a game, have a few drinks after work or weekend or, but I just wanted to share one. I've been to a lot of casinos, but I wanted to share one of my favorite is uh, down in New Mexico, actually. New Mexico has some great casinos. Uh, it's the Buffalo Thunder Resort. Oh, yeah. And I like it for a few reasons. It's north of Santa Fe, little ways. Um, and they, uh, I like the name too. <laughs> right. it's, uh, they host a lot of fights there too uh if you're into mma and that stuff but that's one of my favorites so that's what i have to end with nice nice that's awesome that's always awesome to hear some of your favorites i would have to say uh i really like uh shoot. i like alan i like going up there uh you know when i'm in the portland area and going up to vancouver there and going up to alan casino uh yeah. It's a nice one. It has the Michael Jordan Steakhouse, like you're saying. There's some of these places have some really nice restaurants. They have some simple restaurants. They have cafes. Uh, I want to say there's one of them where if you just get like a fountain drink, you could walk. A lot of them you can just go fill up like free sodas and pops all the oh, time, man. which I'm about. <laughs> oh, I know. Uh, <laughs> they uh, they're fun to go to. Go play a few games. Uh, I always I always like to, you know, you hear the people. Uh, I'm in some Facebook groups with like Glacier National Park. Um, and you're always like, oh, I, I can't find anywhere to stay. I'm like, well, did you look at the casino in, in Browning? There's a hotel associated with it. Your your funds can go help that community. And 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 I and that goes globally, that goes nationwide when you look at um these kind of things, right? Like go when you're in Florida, stay at the Hard Rock Casino, help out the Seminole tribe, you know? Why not? Like 
go go do that go go even if you're not staying at the hotel maybe they're they operate a campground or maybe they have a pool or resort type aspect golf course that you could go to and see and and participate in because these casinos are pillars of our tribal economic system and they need to be you know remind everyone needs to be reminded of that sometimes because it is like i know you see the negativity in gambling and casinos but really you got to look at the positive of what it did do what it established and what it is continuing to do for indian country it, it it's again there's no one size fits all right you have poor tribes who struggle with gaming but then you have like you said the shakopee or the muckle shoot or you know the some of those S- southern california tribes that really do know how to whip these casinos into shape and make millions, billions of dollars off of them. Um, and and then all props to them and we should support them as Indian people. And we do support them as Indian people because it's great to see the indigenous people of these homelands figuring out ways in modern America to continue their culture and to continue their ways and to fund those. Because as we know in modern America, that the, those funding resources are needed. Um, but again, that's kind of all we have today for Indian casinos. I do remind you guys to check us out every Tuesday. There'll be a new uh, Native podcast episode. Uh, so next week, please tune in. Um, and as always, we're doing this uh, in, in our free time uh, through the kindness of our hearts, um, through the education and research that we do, um, just kind of on the side and sharing our knowledge with you because we understand that there's a lack of that knowledge in our, especially American public school system, teaching, education, whatever you want to call it, it's not there. So however we can help share those stories and share that information and share these resources that we find, this research that we find, um, and really kind of lay it down for you and show you and establish what we can establish. But until next time, goodbye. my back daily drumming when i sing man there ain't no way around it I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a. a native podcast is produced by gng advertising and quartz lake productions